You guys enjoy that time? Wow. Brian's great, but that worship. <laughs> oh. um, well, we just get to, to bless Brian this evening as, um, as he comes up. How many of you have heard Brian before speak? <laughs> A few times? How many of you have been blessed by Brian as, as he's shared just from his heart things? I, I just, I'm, I've been so encouraged uh, by just over the years listening to, to Brian and, and just the things that uh, many years of just with the Lord, the, 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 deep, the deep times, the times in, in the secret place with him and just the things that the Lord has showed him and um, such revelation and understanding. And it's, so it's just been a, we've been walking with Brian for, gosh, years. It's, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, my dad said he didn't have any gray hair when he started. Neither did I. So, <laughs> um, Gray hair comes quickly when you jump into ministry <laughs> or you lose it all, one, way, one or the other. <laughs> uh, well, I just felt as... Uh, as before Brian comes up, I just, it, it's, it, as we've just been so blessed by Brian, I think what an opportunity that we have uh, just to, to bless him back, uh, just to pour into his life, into his ministry, and just in that way of saying thank you. Thank you for just your sacrifices uh, in what you do. I mean, you know, if you're in the business world, you can make a lot more money, you can do a lot more, you know, um, we both been there and uh but there's there's something about uh what we were just praying through and talking through today uh already as marcus was talking about it as we were singing these songs um just worth it all uh that where we were just singing all i need is you um and even as we uh, uh, marcus just mentioned it but that that parable where it just says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then he went in his joy and he sold all that he had to buy that field. And, uh, and I just see like it's this, when we understand, when we go after the kingdom, when we get this understanding of, of Jesus and who he is and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, there is there's nothing else that's greater it's worth selling it all. It's worth giving it all away. So if we're going to give it all away, we can give it to Brian because he'll use it. So <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. That was a twist. So we're going <laughs> to, we just want to bless Brian this evening though. So can you guys just uh, agree with me? Brian, come on up. And uh, with us just, just reach your hands out. We just want to pray over this brother. And, um, and by the way, if, as we give, are we going to, do we have, can we pass the offering buckets? Do we have the ability to do that? What's that? Oh, Marlis is back there. Ben, you want to help? <laughs> Ben's back there. Why don't we do it? I just, why don't we just pass the, um, let's just pass them and just whatever um, God the Lord puts on your heart. We just want to bless Brian. So everything that goes into the buckets is just going to bless Brian. It's not going to the rock. Uh, we just want to bless him this evening. And uh, 
So let's, let's pray. But just, just, and then also, you can go online here. Uh, you can go to therock.org forward slash give. If you do go there, just go down to other uh, and then click and then just type in Brian Fenimore or Brian is fine. So, Lord, we just thank you for this brother, for Brian, for, for just a heart that is sold out to you as he has sold everything for the kingdom, to go after the kingdom. And, Lord, I thank you for the years of plowing, the years of sowing. I thank you for the fruit that we've seen in his life, uh, much fruit that has come forth. And, Lord, we just say, may this be a fruitful season. Lord, we pray that there would be opportunities for many to come into the kingdom in this season. Lord, we ask you for just an outpouring of your grace to rest upon him in this time. And so we're, we're so grateful for him, Lord. And we just, just put it on our hearts just to, to pray for Brian throughout the week. And uh, just whenever you just touch our heart with it, that we would just uh, encourage him in prayer. Uh, that if, if there's an opportunity, send him an email. Tell him thanks for for what he's done in, in your life. And so, Father, we just bless this man today as he comes and just brings the word and brings your truth in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you guys. Much to do. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to... Uh, I'll start with Matthew. All right, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Now, as you're turning there, uh, real quick, I always forget to do this, and then I'm starting, and I have to remember. Tomorrow night, I will be up in the chapel. If you'd like to join us, we do a thing called Becoming a Prayer Warrior, and so we teach the foundations of prayer. We kind of work through every form of prayer that's actually in the Bible, and there isn't just one way to pray. There are many different ways the Bible talks about this. And so uh, we're working through healing right now. Uh, that's the section we're working through on prayer. And so if you'd like a refresher on it, if you've had it before, we actually teach on stuff like how do you pray for people and they're not in the room or do intercessory prayer for healing. That's kind of what we're working through now. If you're interested in that, please join us tomorrow night at 7 in the, in the chapel over there. And we'll be more than honored to have you with us. All right, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. I'm sorry, Matthew 16. Sorry about that. Matthew 16, verse 15 and 18. And then we'll go to the other one. Um, what I'm going to talk to you about tonight is kind of interesting. I'm going to try to bring two ideas together. We uh, weave two ideas together. But we're going to start with Christ in Ephesians talks about how we're to magnify him and know him. But the book of Ephesians is very interesting, and it's trying to get across the idea, if this is what Christ is like, how do we relate to him in regard to how he sees us on this planet? And so it's really kind of fascinating. The book of Ephesians starts with your identity in the universe, how you stand before the Lord. Then it goes through section after section, which I'm going to work with you through, on describing what the church is is in regard to who Christ is. And every generation has to actually deal with this. This is our generation. We're alive now, so we actually now have to begin to look at this. What does it mean to actually be the church in regard to Christ being who he is? 
So in Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 15 through 18, Jesus is having this... By the way, the Lord has this conversation with you guys periodically in your walk with Him. How do you see Him? How do you know who He is? How do you recognize Him? And there's this constant revealing of Christ that's going on to you and I, and He's having this conversation with the disciples, which is really kind of fascinating because they've already been with Him for now two years, He's done every form of miracle you can think of, and he's still asking them questions. How do you see me? Who do you say I am? And so that's what we need to look at here. Uh, Matthew 16, verse 15, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Now blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven... I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Haiti will not overpower it. Now, interesting, I'm sure you've seen this, but just to reflect on the passage, he's saying that it is the Father's job to reveal the Son to you. That means in salvation, that's not just an initiatory thing, it's a constant revelation of who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he to you? How do you see him? Do you recognize him for who he is? And that revelation is what, may, is what the church is built on, God revealing Christ to you. Now, I'm sure you guys have heard this. It tells us that the gates of Haiti will not prevail against the church. All right, so the reality of it is, is the gates is what the enemy holds. This is people. And they do not have the power to stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in any generation. But we grow in advancing the kingdom and destroying the works of the kingdom of darkness by the revelation of Jesus Christ to us. How we see Christ is how we have victory. How God makes him known to us is how we grow in victory. Now, interesting enough, I'm sure you guys are aware of this, but to be reaffirmed again, the church is not a place. That's why you can set all the buildings on fire and the church still functions, because the church is a group of people. In fact, that term church that's used there in Matthew 16 is very fascinating. It it does mean the gathering of people, but we need to understand it historically when it was being spoken. The gathering of people, that word for church is used there. It meant that in the Greek culture, In the time when Jesus was alive, he was using it very specifically to make a statement. It isn't just a potluck he was calling people to or a movie night. When he said, when you come together and you're my church, that term means bringing all the delegates and rulers from all the different regions to a meeting so that the king could tell them the laws and the statues of that nation. So he says, the church is my government on the planet. You, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, are God's government on this planet. So do you guys realize it doesn't matter what building you meet in, you're the government of God on this planet. The church is. So when we gather in his name, you guys realize we just experienced this. We fellowship with him He releases blessing, love, authority, but what is the meet? When we gather in his name, what is the purpose of the meeting? 
the king of the universe is going to come in the midst of us, not only refresh us, but actually give us his desire, his destiny, and communicate that reality to us when we meet in his name. So if you guys think about it, we have like government buildings where officials meet to make a decision over a region. Well, you guys ready? Every time the church meets, that's like going to a governmental uh, building where the Lord is telling you what he's going to do through the ultimate authority on the planet, which is you. And most people don't see themselves this way. They see themselves as, well, I'm, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace, which is true. But you're more than that after you come to Christ. You are the highest, the church is, you, are the highest level of authority on this planet. The church is. Isn't that fascinating? Now, why am I working through this? Because we've so put it as a place that we meet, well, the building. I'm going to go to church. No, the church can meet anywhere, and the Lord was very specific what the church was. So let me kind of give you these things out of Ephesians real quick, and then we're going to go to Matthew 18, verse 20. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23, it tells us that the church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that means that if we're going to look at people's bodies, it's telling us that he's the head, we're the body, we're to get his thoughts, and then we're to move in accordance with his thoughts. That would also point to the fact that if you're not getting his thoughts and you're moving outside of his thoughts, you have no authority to do the thing that you're doing. Next thing is this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that the church is his workmanship. So you're actually brought to him, and one of the ways that the Lord is glorified is by working you, working in you. Now, most people think, well, that means helping me get over my sin, which it does, but it means more than that. This, this word for workmanship actually means that God has destined that the body of Christ, you and I, when we gather in his name, part of his presence being in the midst of us is to take a work of art and present it before all the angels of the universe, purify it, refine it, and present it again to them every time God meets us. So God is continually working on a work of art called you, the church. And he demonstrates it to all the, the principalities and the powers of the universe. He's saying this is what I do when I form beauty, and it's called the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing that the church is described in Ephesians is in Ephesians chapter 2, 18 and 19, it describes the church as a family. So the highest form of an expression of family comes from the church, you and I. That means that God is working in us to restore family to us again and show us that this is the highest standard of what God, and he actually says, the, 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 hopefully, the mature expression of what a family looks like comes out of the church. So the church is to model fathering. The church is to model mothering. The, the church is to model nurturing because the highest standard of it is by a representation of who the Lord Jesus Christ and how he does that to you so that you can give that away to other people. Um, a fifth way that the church is described in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, 20 and 22, it says we are the temple of the Lord. So not only do we go to meet him, we're actually going to actually recognize that he's in all of us. 
We are his temple. Now, you guys know that they've told us in Scripture that when it says we are his temple, it tells you that there's a protection over you. It actually describes that in Scripture and says that anyone that tries to destroy, destroy the Lord's temple, the Lord's going to come against them. So you're, you're protected and you're the dwelling place of the very presence of God. Now, think about that. In ancient times, God was in one location, and you had to go on a journey to go meet him. And the Bible's saying, hey, I'm going to save you all kinds of money in the New Testament. You don't have to go anywhere. I'm in you. Anytime you want to go have a service with the Lord, fellowship with him, enjoy him, all you have to do is just turn towards him because he's with you. He's a, actually, the way the Scripture describes it is... In Genesis chapter 1, when it tells us that God is creating everything, and it tells us that the Holy Spirit is hovering over the planet, that word hovering is interesting because it applies to what it means you be in the temple of the Lord now. That word hovering doesn't mean observing. It's the Hebrew term for uh, full of seed to produce life. So you have the hovering presence of the Holy Spirit. He's dwelling in you as a temple. And I don't know if you guys saw this in the Old Testament, but every time they approached the presence of the Lord in the temple, they would actually bear back or they would even talk about it because the manifest presence of God was hovering over the temple all the time. Well, you're that now. You have the seeds of God's life in you that's hovering around you all the time. And when people come into proximity of that, they're touching the presence of the Lord, even though they don't recognize it. Let's keep moving on. That is good. Let's keep moving on. The sixth way that the church is described is um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 32, and it says you're the bride. Now, I used to tell people this. I hated that analogy. Uh, guys don't think about walking around in wedding dresses, and we don't think like that kind of stuff. Just like I'm going to give you the one that most women don't like as it describes it. But there's something about understanding the idea. Here it is. God is modeling to us again what he values by describing his people this way. So he's now saying the most intimate relationship that you can have is in a covenant marriage relationship. What is the highest form of covenant that God has given in human expression is between men and women in a covenant of marriage. And we're the bride of Christ. And so it actually says that it is his responsibility to reflect being a husband to his people which means he actually has to take the responsibility, just like a man's supposed to, in a situation as a husband and model that to the church so that men, when they come into covenant relationship with them, they know how to minister to their wife because they see how the Lord ministers to them. Let's keep moving on. Last one. The last one is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. You are described as the church, as the army. Now, remember I said I didn't like being, I hated the reference of being the bride? I just thought, that's silly. I don't, I don't see myself in a dress. That doesn't make any sense to me. Most women don't like the analogy of being the army. Because that's spiritual warfare, and I have to fight demons, and all that other kind of stuff, and I have to deal with this. But it's kind of fascinating to me that God has determined that you 
are the army, you, you actually don't have the ability to get out of it just because you don't think about it. You're going, God has ordained the church for warfare. Isn't that fascinating? So you're molded to be like Jesus by him putting you into battles. Uh, how many of you enjoyed last year? Hasn't that been fun? Just think of all the refining we've all gone through last year being put in a battle. And if you're like me, I'm always trying to explain to the Lord, I think I know a better way. But since you were formed to be in battle, you actually need to begin to learn to enjoy it and look forward to it because of the benefit on the other end. You become like Christ, and by going into war, you learn your true identity in Christ, and then you overcome the evil one. Uh, it's only through war you discover that the enemy is defeated. I wish it was by theology, but it isn't. It's by war. Okay. Matthew 18, verse 20. Let's look at this. Matthew 18, verse 20. Now, how do you know? I, there's always this question that people are asking. How do we know that, one, when we gather, what the Lord is going to do? And two, why do we gather? That's two questions. And the third one is, why does God command this? And in and Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, all of this is being addressed and answered. So this is important. If I call someone and say, hey, let's meet, and then we get there and we say, okay, now we're going to do this and this, and I hope the Lord blesses that. What I'm going to show you in this passage is he actually describes the church is something that he calls together. So that actually means that to come together and represent his church or being the church, there's a dynamic that has to happen. So let's look at the passage. It says we're two or three are gathered together in my name. I am there in the midst of them. All right, let's keep working through that. The, the fuller which could be transcends where two or three have been led together in my name. Uh, do you guys ever remember, um, there was a season, maybe you guys didn't experience, but there was a season in the body of Christ where people kept trying to come into agreement and then get God to sign off on it. Do you guys remember that? Uh, we had a theology about it. It was called blab it and grab it or name it and claim it and all that other stuff. And they took it from this passage, right? Okay, so why, why can't you and I just come together and go, I think you should get a Mercedes and I should get a Ferrari and then say, now God, sign off on that. Why can't we do that? Because of the way the, the <laughs> well, you're not supposed to do that anyways, but the way, the way that the Greek is actually used in this passage, it's really important. It doesn't mean when you and I come together and we try to convince the Lord of something, he's going to do it. It actually means God leads you together to something. So the coming together is actually interesting, and it brings up a concept that's very hard for people to understand that I'm going to try to drive home. There's a synergy in the kingdom of God that you can accomplish something that you could not do by yourself when you gather in his name. There's this thing in um, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says, God causes all things to work together. Do you guys remember that? Well, that's the word for synergy in the Greek New Testament. Now, um, I can't remember if I covered this, but do you know the word synergy means a tornado of grace is swirling around you all the time? 
So anything that comes in proximity of you, the, the grace of God hits it, and even though it was meant for evil, God turns it towards good. Now, why am I telling you that in regard to this? It's using the same concept when it's given this idea where Jesus leads two or three people together. This synergy of grace is now being released that you cannot access unless you do this together. And it's pointing to a, a reality that really has been lost. It takes a lot in our culture to get past this reality of thinking, if no one else will do it, I'll just go do it by myself. Uh, rugged individualism won the West, but it doesn't win anything in the kingdom. So think about that. You can put to flight 1,000 with one, 10,000 with two. Why? Why is there a synergistic effect when we come together? Because God is trying to drive home a point that we need to connect with. He has determined that community, family, the church comes together that there are certain things cannot get a breakthrough unless there's synergistically effect of the body of Christ coming together. When I was trying to teach on unity of prayer like long time ago, there's this passage in the uh, Psalms where it talks about when brothers dwell together in unity, it's like pouring oil on the head of Aaron and flowing through his beard. Do you guys ever remember hearing that? And you look at that, what does that mean? Does that mean first someone has to come to a meeting and they have to have a beard? What, what does that mean? Okay, so let's just for a moment break that down and think about it. When brothers do dwell together in unity, it's like pouring oil on Aaron's head. So Aaron is being used as a representation of the priesthood. The priesthood is the people that had the heart of the people on them, literally, Aaron had a breastplate of the different tribe jewels on his chest. That was so that when he came into the Holy of Holies and asked God to bless the nation of Israel, he had the people on his heart. It's a fascinating concept. So think about that. If I will come together with you, it says that the anointing will be poured on Aaron's head. The anointing is for breakthrough. So when I come together with you in the name of Christ, anything that he calls us to come together in, he's commanding a breakthrough to happen. And then it says it'll be poured through, even through his beard to, and, and to his clothing. So it actually means a complete breakthrough will come. And you'll be, not only a breakthrough, you'll be anointed to do what Christ has called you to do. So he's saying, I've actually tied you guys together. If you do not come together in my name and go the direction I'm going, you've lost a synergistic effect of breakthrough. That's why when we gather in his name, do you guys ever recognize this? I'm, uh, are you guys like I am? I'm at home, I'm trying to pray. Or I'm trying to have something break through, and I can't do it. And then I get to the meeting with a bunch of believers. I'm completely defeated. Everyone else is worshiping, and I get a breakthrough. How does that happen? And then we sit around and go, it must be the building and the chairs and the colors and, and the nice songs and all that other stuff. But God is trying to teach his people a basic principle why he's called us to church and why we're to gather. When we gather in his name... Synergy of grace is released. 
An anointing of breakthrough comes to us where if we did not do it together in His name, it would not be released. That's how serious the Lord is about this topic. So the Scripture actually points out the fact that the children of God are to be led together by the Lord, and it's clear that it's the Holy Spirit that's doing this. And so you have to now consider the fact that since, here we go, Jesus is the head of the church, he exercises the authority of his kingdom through the church. I think um, several of you were with me when I talked about the distinction of Jesus being a king and the church. So Jesus is doing a certain thing as a king, and then there's a certain thing that he's required the church to do. And what's interesting about that whole reality is when he required the church to do it, he's actually saying, unless you come together and function as the church, those things I said you're supposed to have a breakthrough in actually will not happen. Even though Jesus can still do what he's doing as a king in the universe, the church has to come into alignment with the things he tells us to do. If we don't, we don't get to see the things that he's promised us. We actually lack the breakthrough that we're longing for. Um, do you know why prayer meetings are the least attended event in the body of Christ? You guys ever thought about that? How come we can get thousands of people to show up at a worship service and everyone can roll on the ground and have a great time and you say, we're going to have a prayer meeting on Wednesday night and three people show up? Why is that? I believe that there are several things that the enemy goes after more than any other topic. And I believe it's prayer meetings he goes after more than any other topic because of the synergistic breakthrough that happens when you gather in his name to pray for him to do something. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Let's look at this scripture together. Now, it's going to, it's going to tell us something about the Spirit of the Lord. Now, while you're turning there, I'm going to finish one last concept about this statement that Jesus made where he said, if two or three are led together in my name, he says, I will be there in the midst of you. Those statements where he says, I will be with you, now he says it there, and then he says it in Matthew 28, after he's been raised from the dead, he says, lo, I will be with you always till the end of the age. Those statements aren't what we call theological statements. He's not just trying to tell you an eternal reality that God is everywhere at all times. These are statements that are connected with the manifest, recognizable presence of the Lord. So, you guys ready? If you and I come together, the Lord leads us to do something, He's saying, I'm going to manifest my presence when you do that. So all the things you're asking me to do, I'll do because I'm going to manifest my presence in the midst of you. If you go decide to do it, and then you say, you need to come here and bless this, if God didn't lead you to do it, he's not required to be in the middle of it. You know, I used to make jokes about this, and then someone straightened me out, but I'll try again. So I can't just create a jazzicized group and say, this is jazzicized for Jesus, and somehow by sticking his name on it, I expect his blessing to be on it. Do you guys remember jazz, jazzicized? <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> That aged me really quick. Okay. But you guys get it? Sticking the name on Jesus that he hasn't ordained or called something to, he's not ordained to be there or bless it or manifest his presence to something he has not called someone to gather to do. 
And that, that's actually really intense for any culture because you have to learn to become intentionally dependent on the Lord instead of initiating by your own creative ideas. Uh, do you guys ever go through seasons like this? I, I always try to figure out why did God make the people in the Old Testament gather twice a year and repent of stuff all the time? And you'd probably say, well, theologically, they're full of sin, so it's always a good time to repent. Well, that's true, but they did that all the time anyways. But why did they have to gather? Because there was a, a time where there's this thing inside of us. It's a tendency to constantly try to initiate things that God hasn't called us to. And what happens is, is God wants us to go through a cleansing and go, are you in this? Have you called me to this? What do I need to turn over to your lordship? Those kinds of realities are what we have to do a self-examination on on a consistent basis to not initiate something we think is good for the kingdom when the Lord has not told us to do it. All right. 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says this. Now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, over here... We're going to take the word liberty and we're going to explore it. But before we go over here and begin to explore it, we're going to start over here with the word oppression. In Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, I believe it is, Peter's describing Jesus' earthly ministry. And he says, you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Okay, so what did Jesus do? Uh, when he went, to, he said he went and destroyed everything that the devil did. He described everything as originating from the devil, and he went to deliver everyone from oppression. Okay, so the word oppression in the Greek New Testament is fascinating. It means to take power and push someone down. That's the first part of it. The second part of it means to restrict people from their destiny. So when it says that the enemy comes and steals something from you, your purpose, your health, your family, all of that. He is taking a power from his kingdom of demonic spirits and he's pressuring it to steal something from you. What is he stealing? Your God-ordained destiny. What does Jesus do when he shows up in a situation? He comes and breaks the power of oppression so that people can be liberated. Now let's go over here to the word liberty. It says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now, what's really fascinating about the church, if he has called us to meet, it means that the power of deliverance is released every time we gather in his name. Whether we recognize it or not, we should expect breakthrough for people because of the word liberty. What is the word? Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What does that mean? That actually means... Not just liberty from sin, it is that, but it, it, has, it carries, a, the word liberty is actually interesting because it's a word of statement. It's not a quality word, it's a, it's a different state of being. So when Christ calls you to liberty, it's a different state of being. So what do we mean by that? It means that when Christ, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty... It actually means that you're taken into a higher state of freedom to actualize the destiny of Christ 
for your life. The destiny of Christ for your life. So what does that mean? Well, that means in every area of your life, Christ created you to reflect his glory. And so God has what we call this prescribed reality over your life where he says, this is the intent I made when I created men and women in my image. This is what I wanted them to look like. This is what I wanted to bless them with. And anywhere the enemy has come to steal that from you, when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, he liberates you from that. But you guys get it? It's coming together. It's being the church. And isn't it amazing? Uh, Marcus wrote me a note and he said, hey, could you just talk about the idea of even preaching the word, how it releases the power of the Spirit? Well, of course it does. God gathered us here to hear his word, and he's here to release liberty to you. I remember the first time this happened, I was actually in a church in Minnesota, and every time something happens in Minnesota, I'm shocked. If you've ever been there. I'm in a meeting, and I, I'm covering something. That's sad, I don't remember what I was covering. But it wasn't on the topic of healing, it was some other topic. I get done with the meeting, a person runs up to me from the audience, and they're having this conversation, i, I got to tell you what happened. I'm like, what? They're like, well, you're talking about whatever you're talking about. He's, the Spirit of the Lord came over me and healed me of something that I've been dealing with for five years. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like so was it the topic? What, what? And I, couldn't, I never could figure this out. What is it? Now, for me, the Lord started showing me, if you would just prepare yourself and get in the spirit before you stand up and speak, I will come and release liberty over the people and deal with the issues, even though you're not praying for them. Because that's what I bring when I'm honored as Lord in the midst of my people. In fact, I don't know if you guys are like I am. If God doesn't touch someone in a meeting I'm at, it points to me, did I get in the spirit before I did the meeting? <laughs> okay, I'm going to go tackle JR. Just hold on a minute, guys. Now, in 1987, boy, this is a while back now. At the time, I was living in Cara Springs. I was going to the Nazarene Bible College, so I worked all day. Went to, so I was a full-time student, worked full-time, and I had just gotten literally married. I mean, uh, in the Lord for less than a year, I think it was, and Larry, uh, married less than a year. My wife and I are living in Cara Springs, and this, this apartment that I was working to make sure we could feed ourselves, and then what would happen is I'd get off work, I would come home, my wife would be making me dinner, I'd literally throw off my work clothes into our bedroom and, and go jump in the shower, get out of the shower, change into, I had a dress for going to the Nazarene Bible, and so I had to dress a certain way, I had to put on my uh, required clothing for that, and I had like five minutes to stick something in my face and then head off to class. And so this was a real tight schedule. So... Um, I get, that, I get out of the shower, I'm starting to change in my, my uh, minister's uniform, and the Spirit of the Lord touches my heart. And I'm like, wow, this is not a good time to have a prayer meeting, because I need to get dressed and then go get, grab my food and run out the door. But I kept sensing the Lord drawing me, you, Brian, you need to stop. Just stop for a minute and listen. So I get on my knees, and I'm just like, what is going on? 
the Spirit of the Lord hovers over me, and I get this encounter from the Lord. Now, back then, I didn't know what this stuff was. It just kept happening all the time, and I'm like, what? I, I don't get what this is. I'm, I have my eyes closed, and I'm just waiting on the Lord, and I'm just enjoying His presence, and all of a sudden, this picture comes into my head. And it's this wind coming off the coast of Maine, and it's like I'm looking at a globe, I'm above the United States, and I'm watching this wind come down through Maine, and as it's coming down through the United States, the United States is, it becomes a wheat field. Now, if any of you have ever gone through Kansas during the wheat season and the wind's blowing, it's like you're looking at a wave. All of a sudden, the whole map of the United States becomes this wheat field, and here comes the wind of the Holy Spirit down through Maine, and it's blowing through the whole United States. And I'm looking at that, and I, guys, I didn't know anything about symbolism. I'm like, that's cool. I have no idea what that means. And then the Lord says to me, pray until this happens. Like, I don't even know what it was. So if you guys have these experiences, you recognize God gives you a mystery to make sure you seek it out. So I'm having to now, what is wheat in Scripture? Well, wheat represents people. It also represents the kingdom. And all of a sudden, the Lord started having a conversation with me about the United States. This is 1987. And he starts telling me, that wind you saw was the next awakening I'm bringing to the United States. And it's going to come on the East Coast, and it's going to go all the way to California. Once he told me that, now you guys ready? The Spirit of the Lord touched me with that and hit my heart. And when he spoke that to me, this burden got released over me that I could not shake. It was so intense, and I had only known the Lord less than a year. I thought, if I pray a week, this is going to happen. Okay, so I'm, I'm showing you how this works. Every night... In Bible college, we'd have uh, the first session, which was a couple hours. Then they would give what was called the chapel. And after chapel, you could eat dinner. And then we had the second session. So our classes went from 7 to 10 o'clock every night. Man, it was an exhausting schedule. But um, I felt from the Lord, don't go to chapel. They had two chapels. They had the chapel where the ministers preached. And then they had the prayer chapel. Well, no one ever went into the prayer chapel. So I decided... I just have this burden on me, I, and I think the Lord's going to do it, so I'm just going to engage with the Lord on this, and instead of going to the chapel to hear a sermon, I'm going to go to the prayer chapel, and I'm going to pray for their country to have this wind come over it. So I'm in the prayer chapel, and I, if you guys, whenever you have these kind of experiences, you read about them later, and you go, oh, that's what that was, but I had no language for any of this. I'm before the Lord asking him, would you bring a wind to this country? And now I'm sobbing and carrying on and screaming in the prayer chapel with no one in there with me. And I have my face buried to the ground, and I'm just sobbing because I can feel the burden of God for our country. While I'm doing my thing, I take a breath, I mean, I take a break from sobbing. I'm kind of getting um, tired from doing this, and I'm just waiting on the Lord and I hear this noise behind me, and someone comes and joins me in the room. Now, I'm still trying to, I, I just, I'm focused on the Lord, so I don't really care if someone's in there with me or not. This person starts sobbing like I was sobbing. I'm listening to him going, what is going on? 
And now he's asking God, now this is what really messed me up. He's talking to God about the United States and then how God wants to bring this wind of revival through the United States, and he's there begging the Lord to do it. And I'm listening to him like, what in the world is going on? And then as he's engaging in it, it hits me, the Spirit of the Lord hits me again, and now both he and I are doing this symphony of prayer. He's sobbing and screaming for a while, and then I join him, and I'm sobbing and screaming for a while. He's declaring scripture, I'm declaring scripture. And we're doing this for, we, we ended up going past the chapel time and into our second session, we didn't, and all of a sudden, we, we touched eternity. And we lost all sense of time. We came out of there two and a half hours later. I, he got up and left at a certain I never knew who that was. I got up and left at a certain point because I could sense the Spirit of the Lord lifting. And when I left, I felt like, oh no. The intensity of this thing, something synergistically has been released into our country. And that was the first time. So I said, all right, I'm going to try it tomorrow night and see what happens. So I go back in there the second night. Same thing. All of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes on me. I'm being burned by him. I'm sobbing. I'm carrying on. Now, instead of one person showing up, two people show up. I still don't know who they are because my eyes are hurting from crying. I'm tired, and I just want to stay focused on the Lord. But another symphony of prayer starts happening. This is fascinating to me. I don't know if those guys talk to each other, but I was fascinated. They came in the room with no one having a conversation about it. We were led there by the Lord, and we're on the same theme again, and we're going for it. Another two and a half hours. So we're doing this. I was surprised by Friday the revival hadn't broken out over the United States, and so I'm now uh, we're a month into this. This is happening every time I go to chapel for a whole entire month. I'm not telling anybody about it. More people are showing up in the prayer chapel. We don't, we're not talking to you. I still don't know to this day who those people were. But more people were being led by the Lord for something that God was going to do. Now, here's the point. As we made a request before the Lord we could sense that we were breaking through something going on in our country, and at the same time, we were being liberated in our own soul as we came together in the name of the Lord. It was, it was amazing. Uh, at that time, you guys have to remember that I wasn't charismatic. I thought charismatics were the people that didn't study theology. That's why they spoke in tongues. <laughs> I'm, I'm in class one time, and we just got done pray, praying. I'm in class for the second session, and I'm just sitting there listening to our professor go over something over ethics, and while he's talking about the Spirit of the Lord hits me, and I start laughing, and I'm like, what is going on with me? Now, that, if you don't know me, that would have been a shock because I was so broken. So I had actually gone through, before the Lord saved me, I was struggling with depression for like months on end and stuff. And to have the Lord visit me, give me joy, and break the spirit of heaviness off me after I had met him shocked me. And all of a sudden, something 
I'm going to try to wrap it up now. Something connected with me, and I started realizing something. This is incredibly important to come together and be led by the Lord into His purpose because of the breakthrough it releases and the effect of you being a part of it. Now, what is the Lord trying to... Why am I talking? Why am I going over this? Because how do you work through this? We have just gone through an intense time over the last year the nations had, and it was all to prepare us for what's coming. It was all to prepare us for what is coming. I'm telling you, I don't know if you guys have heard this, the Lord has been telling me this for months now. He's changing the church from being passive to being warlike and to be evangelistic. And so there's a wave of the Lord that is coming. Do you guys sense it? And because it's coming... You and I need to understand what, if it's coming, how does God want us to respond? He's wanting us to come together in His name, connect with Him, so that liberty will start coming. It's so, sometimes we miss this. We're so focused on what the enemy's doing out there sometimes that we forget we're the solution. We're the solution. Coming together fellowshipping, connecting with the Lord, enjoying His presence, enjoying it together, praying together with the Lord, seeking His way. It's going to bring liberty to everybody, even the stuff we're praying about, because He's promised where He is, liberty is going to be there. Would you guys join me in prayer now? See, some of you are actually experiencing the burden of the Lord. He actually released it over us while we were doing this. So you're feeling intensity actually gripping you. That's a good thing. That's the burden of the Lord. Now, Lord, we thank you for being in the midst of us. Increase your power and your presence. Increase your power. Some of you are going through a cleansing right now. Uh, the Lord's actually, so I'm going to pray a specific prayer. Father, I ask that right now a cleansing would come over the eyes of their hearts. Let them to begin to, again, to have dreams and visions. Let them connect with them. Lead them in paths of wisdom in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the refreshing that came during worship, that, that awakening to a new place in you, let it come, Lord. Let it come. Release it. Well, this will be fun. So, Holy Spirit, would you release as they gather in your name from this point on, I ask that a river of fire would be released in the midst of them. A river of fire. Let the manifest of your presence come and cleanse and purify them during this season. Let it come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name.
Bless your name, Father. You're mighty. Thank you, Lord. So that, unf- that unfolding and the revealing of their destiny, let it come to them. Let it come to us, Lord. I bless and honor my brothers and sisters in this room. Strengthen them by the power of your might. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Um, What's your name? Yes. Heather, would you stand for a moment, please, if you wouldn't mind? And you mind putting your hands out like it's Christmas? Here we go. Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence around Heather. Uh, Heather, um, the Lord was visiting you during worship, and I I had a sense that he was saying that you're, you're being brought up into a new level of intercession in your own personal life. Uh, the Lord is going to take you by hand and take you on an adventure that you've been longing for. He's going to actually engage you and pull you up into things that you've only heard about. This is a season of you, because you've been faithful with little, you're, He's going to make you faithful with much. I also recognize inside of you that you have the gift of compassion. God has given that to you to heal the brokenhearted, and you're going to go into a new season of taking people through deliverance. Your words are going to be anointed, and when you speak, things are going to be broken in people's lives that they've struggled with. And so, Holy Spirit, release your power and your presence over your daughter in a greater measure. And we come into agreement with your goodness in her life. Bring her up. Bring up to the place you want her to be, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, do you have a daughter? Do you work with kids? Okay, so this was, that's why I'm asking you is I, didn't, I couldn't understand this. I saw you with a younger girl, and I felt like the Lord was saying that you were going to be imparting things to younger people. So let's see what happens with that, okay? Thank you for letting me pray for you. All right, so guys, receive the blessing of the Lord, all right? Turn your hearts with me towards him. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.